Yeah, did you hear about the Pokemon Super Bowl commercial? What? Actually, yeah, I did. I saw a GIF of it. I could have watched it, but I didn't. Oh, so we're watching this now. Okay. Hey guys, this is Thomas. This is Taylor. This is Ryan. And we're back again with another Three Dudes, One Blog podcast. This episode is for the week of January 25th. And we don't have any more beer because... Because I drank it all. We drank it all. We drank it all. Game Um, day. Game day. And by game day, we don't mean football. We mean board game day. We mean board games. So many board games. The best such time. Of, the best kind of game day. We only played like what? Three games. Three games. Right. Exploding kittens. Yeah. Listeria. Uh, I don't remember much of that. Listeria. The uh, yeah. my game. What's my game called? Pandemic. Pandemic. Oh yeah, that was fun too. And oh, yeah. uh, the game of things. Can't forget about the game. Of oh things. yeah. Oh yeah. We did four games. Game of things. Man, the scoring in that is so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> that can be your topic, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no, the Game of Things scoring system is... It, it is flawed, but it is that is for a different terribly, time. Terribly, terribly We should read it again. Maybe we just misinterpreted the rules or something. Well, no. Nicole's the only one who read it, so... Whoa. You know she listens to this? She's gonna hear you oh. said that. This is for you. I think she read them fine. I do, too. She read them great. You read those rules perfectly. She never listens to the podcast. I didn't think so. So, um, I think I already said this is for the week of January 25th. What's up? Um, it's the beginning of the year-ish. We this isn't our war. first one of the year, is it? No. Second. No. Yeah, we, we had recorded right before Land War. So, um, which was great. We've made it back. We missed out. We survived. Um, we all survived. The biggest Land War in a decade. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool, actually. It was a lot of fun. How accomplished do you feel as a member of staff to know you put on such an awesome event? Were you on staff ten years ago? Or were you? No. A, did you even attend ten years ago? No, I was not staff ten years ago, nor did I attend. I don't think I started going to Lamborn until like 2007-2008. I would have been like 13 or something. Talk about ascending the ranks. Well... Ten years ago, I would have been 14. So, I started going when I was 15. You're such a baby. Um, Yeah, I think I probably was one of the fastest transitions from attendee to staff. Because... Because you got good taste in music. Well, (laughs) once... Yeah. Once I realized that, like, you could be staff... That was like... And that you could go to the event for free... Eat for free, drink for free, and you could do all of that. And your only job was to play music videos the whole time. I was so excited. And then I actually ran media, and it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, you have to do things. Yeah, I mean, it's fun because you get to like, you finally get to force everybody to listen to the music that you want to play for three days straight. <laughs> so there's a perk. So that's, it's kind of cool, except um, you always have somebody complaining. So if you're playing good music, people who like bad music will complain that you're not playing enough Nickelback and Slayer. 
<laughs> and if you play um, fucking butt rock for two days straight and then switch and play good music for the last day, the butt rock guys will still complain that you didn't play enough Slayer and Nickelback. So you might as well just play butt rock the whole time. But that's for a different podcast. We could talk about the ramifications of your media choices at another time. This podcast is to talk about video games. I can talk about whatever I want. True. Uh, then not, what's your topic going to be, Thomas, if you're going to talk about whatever you want? No, you should. Uh, you my topic is super secret, okay. extra special, yum yum sauce. So I'm Then go we'll last. start from the least secret uh, topic to the most secret topic this week. So my topic has been, in our chat, for the last couple days, been Destiny. Um, because kind of some interesting developments have happened in the Destiny community... And not necessarily good ones. So what? I didn't know there were, like, new developments, really. I thought it was just people finally saying, like... Well, okay, so what happened and started all of this firestorm was every week uh, the Bungie community head of chief, his name's Deej, Puts out like a little like little blog post, basically just calls it the Bungie Weekly Update, a little uh-huh. and he just posts like things that like happened in the week, things that are going to happen, like Larry brought donuts, like except it's all about Destiny, oh, about okay. server like, things that they've done behind the scenes to fix server updates to try to prevent lag outs. What's going and things on next like week? That. What's coming down the He'll pipeline? He'll try to bring something interesting, like if there's some Crucible behind the scenes going on he'll like do a quick little q a with like ask the head of the crucible which is like the pvp like right. what are you doing like what is this gonna affect blah 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 uh-huh. like it's interesting it brings good information uh very open it's it's very open some some of the weekly updates that are like closer to big releases bring in a lot more information than others uh-huh. um and so they took over a month off over the holiday period so I think the last one they put up was like December 18th or something like that. But we knew they were going to take a break? And we knew, yeah. They said okay. December 17th, they're like, we're taking some time off for the holidays. We'll come back in middle of January. Um, and so it ended up being five weeks, just over a month, uh, mm-hmm. that they hadn't put out anything. Like Nobody from Bungie's talked about anything. And over this month, people have got kind of restless and said... Okay, like it's been over a month since the Sparrow Racing was over. Um, nothing's happened. Like you gone. haven't posted anything. Like uh-huh. we need, we need like a word. Like everybody has accepted the fact. Gratification. Everybody's accepted the fact that there's not going to be a big deal, like a paid DLC release. <laughs> but with that, they, we've like accepted that there's going to be the smaller, more frequent DLCs. Like there's been like over Sparrow. a month. Since Sparrow Racing, what's the next thing? Like, uh-huh. when is the next thing going to happen? If we're not... Like, what, how are you going to keep us... Interested. Interested in the game. And so they come out, and they announce a 2v2, six-day Crucible playlist is the next uh, mini-DLC, whatever you want to call it. Oh, that's the new DLC that's we the, limited the yeah. multiplayer aspect? We've... we've We've added one new multiplayer game type for seven days. 
for Valentine's Day because it's 2v2, so you're supposed to work together with your best bud <laughs> for Valentine's Day. So it's called, like, the Crimson Tournament or something like that. <laughs> Sorry, that's... And then, so that was kind of a letdown for a lot of people, but one of the bigger things is they kind of lied, like, flat-out lied to the Destiny community, and that over the past month, uh-huh. Crucible, like, Crucible in general, there's been a lot of weird thing. like, there's been a ton more lag... Like, people have been lagging out, people are just glitching across the map because their connection's so bad, and uh-huh. Crucible used to run really smoothly, and so a lot of people were saying, what do they adjust the matchmaking cr- criteria instead of being connection-based, do they switch it to a skill-based more? Because all of the games have all of a sudden became highly competitive, you couldn't just, like, play any game like there was no major lopsided games all the games went from like one team like if you get paired with a team like highly skilled versus a team that's just less skilled which sometimes happens right those games disappeared every game is down to the wire but the connection just went down the shithole so everybody's like they must have gone to a skill-based matchmaking and they've sat there and said no 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 we didn't do that, we didn't do that, we didn't do that. You're all just a big bunch of dumbos. Yep. And then they come out in the weekly thing and said, we didn't want to tell you we did that, but we did it. And so now everybody's really pissed and saying, one, you broke Crucible because you can't even play it now because it's so laggy. And two, uh-huh. you lied to us. Can't they just like do a location-based plus and a skill-based? You would think that, but it seems like they haven't done that. Like, right now, they came out and said pretty much it was, the main focus is solely skill-based, and that's it. Like, that's the main criteria. Uh-huh. Hmm. And so, a lot of people are really upset. I watched two of the main uh, YouTube guys, Destiny YouTubers... Both put out videos basically oh, saying Dotto and Triple Wreck both came out and said in their own separate videos, in their own separate ways, like Destiny is dead. They said like we both love like they both said they love the game, they want what's best for the game, but right now they're tired of the game and they're gonna start playing more different things. And Dotto's been doing it for a while. I haven't seen Triple Wreck do anything like that. But uh, both of them basically have said, like, there's no real reason for you to keep playing the game right now, so you should go play other things if that'll make you happier than playing Destiny. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of been in this stage for about the past two weeks or so of, like, I want to play Destiny for, like, the small things that I keep finding fun. But at the same time, I feel like going back just to do the raid is somewhat somewhat a chore. Like, once I get in the raid and I'm going through it with a decent group, it's fun. And it reminds me of how much I love Destiny and all the great things it has. But getting in the game, trying to find a fucking party of five people is so damn hard. And I hate it. 
And then I get in the game, and then we can't even beat, like, the hard raid. I mean, I've... I'm at the point where I can do the normal raid, like, easy, and all the groups I join can do it easy. Now, I'm trying to do the hard, and, like, that's really challenging to get a good enough group together of random people to do a six-person raid. And I want to do it because I've only beaten it four times, I think. You've only beaten it four times. The whole raid through four times. I've beaten half of it, so I beat it... On hard mode. Yes, on yeah. hard mode. Like I said, I think you didn't like I've it. beaten up to Oryx probably like 20 times on all the hard across two different characters. Um, but like beating Oryx is really challenging with a bunch of random people. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I've started going and like playing other games. And so, but, and then one other development that was really concerning is Kotaku wrote an article this week saying the great talking destiny about Malaise. the great destiny malaise Man. but it kind of just going on the the same thing about there's no reason to be playing destiny right now but the more concerning thing is leaks from bungie that internal employees don't even have an idea of what destiny 2 is going to be and i'm starting to get the feeling that destiny 2 is not going to be released this year Mm-hmm. Or if it is released this year, it's not going to be Destiny 2 in a new game. It's going to just be another Taken King DLC release. Uh-huh. Which wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing mm-hmm. in the world. Because mm-hmm. um, the de- when Taken King came out, it was awesome. But I can't see Destiny surviving in the long term if they just release a major DLC. I think they need to release the equivalent of Destiny 1. Take it for what you will of how much content I originally had. Like, they need to release a game that contains 30 new levels and 4 new areas that we've never been to before. Not just one new area... 10 new levels and a new raid. So uh-huh. if, if Destiny's going to survive on the long term, I think they need to release a full game content, not just a DLC content. Uh-huh. Well, how does that make you feel? I hate it. I love Destiny. So here's <laughs> the thing that confuses me about a lot of MMOs. And it's one of the things that not only turns me off to them lately, but also makes me want to play them to a degree. Like, it's the weirdest thing. On the one hand, you have the people who are at the end game. Like, think about any MMO at the end game, and you're just at level cap, you're just doing the things that, like, once you're done with this, there's nothing left to do. Right? Uh-huh. And so while they're doing that, they're interested, everything's happening, they're getting the gear, they're getting the items or whatever. And then once that's over... You know, cut off, basically, because you can go back and do the little itty-bitty things, you can redo some things, Mm -hmm. you can explore or whatever, but that's pretty much it. So you've got these people that are at this point, they're like, alright, new content, let's get this, and let's do this thing, let's get this on, right? Mm -hmm. We need some more stuff. The developers basically say, okay, cool, we released that last month, but we'll see what we can do, let's figure this out. So then five months later, they they decided to release another little thing. And so the end game people, because they've been waiting for so long, they've been hyping about this hype, 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 finally play it, burn through it in three days, and they're like, all right, what's next? Basically. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, I feel like 
for the developers, it's got to be supremely hard to deliver that much content that's not only fulfilling, but worth playing that quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's the one hand. Then on the other hand, you have the people that are not at the end game, or people who might not have even started playing this game yet, right? Uh-huh. And so, like, for instance, every time I think, man, I could get back into WoW because I haven't played it in seven years. I'm thinking, hey, there's like six new expansions since then. Look at all that content. So when I play it for a little bit, I play it for a little bit, and then I, I, I like, get close to even getting towards the first expansion. And I'm always like, this is a lot of work. What the heck am I doing? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just like, what kills me about this situation that Bungie's in, that even Blizzard seems to be in, because a lot of subscribers are dropping like flies, is that they have to deliver these really meaningful packs, these really meaningful things that make the endgame players feel like they're advancing, but doesn't put the endgame so far out of reach for new players that no one's going to play. Well, and it's like, I don't know, it's, just, it's like this interesting juxtaposition of the fact that Everyone in Destiny, and including myself, which is why I stopped a while ago, was like, yeah, the raid was fun, yeah, it's awesome, but it just felt like there was a lot of, I mean, like you're saying, when I, didn't even, I wasn't even playing when Hard Mode came out, but at the time, people were still even getting used to the first raid, and it was like a lot of work to get that team together, a lot of work to sometimes Sherpa them through it, because obviously you got the guys that weren't quite as prepared as you they think they are, kind of a thing, and it's like, at the end of the day, you think to yourself, that took four hours, perhaps next time will be quicker, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's just... I mean, do you think... Do you really think people just need new content? Or do you think that there's something that, like... Are, do you really think it has to be a big expansion for them? I don't to... think... I think there's a lot of small things Bungie could do to alleviate this that don't seem that difficult. Yeah. They have two perfectly good raids and whatever you want to call... Uh, the, what was the House of Wolves? The oh, but, 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 but. the Wolf Den, Prison of Elders, Prison of Elders. Words. But go back and make those in-game level difficulty with in-game level rewards. Oh yeah, that, that seems so simple, like such a simple concept that they give could it a do heroic of mode like or yeah, a nightfall. You have mode. normal, you have hard mode. Make a super extra hard mode that makes it to the current level's cap, and will give you current level guns. I mean, there's so many places that, like, scale to your level, and it's not like they changed mechanics, it's not like they did anything else, they just made everything harder, Mm -hmm. in the sense that it was a bigger bullet sponge, which, arguably, at the end of the day, that's what makes something harder, you know, in a game where you're supposed to smack it. Add some kind of challenge, like, they added a challenge mode, which... Take it for what it is. Is like didn't add a bunch of difficulty to the current. Go back and put some challenges in the original raid or whatever. Like, or like finish in fifteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, go back and do some simple mechanics. Which it sounds like, unfortunately, due to how inefficient the engine is, um, makes it extremely difficult them for add things. I guess I don't really? understand. That's so what I've heard is that mechanics? Well, yeah, part of the problem with Destiny that. is the original engine they made um, is extremely difficult to work with. Good and job. creating Fuck new boys. things is not as simple as just like loading it up. Like loading one part of the world takes like two hours and then changing it 
takes like a couple hours and then like finalizing that and saving it takes like a day or something like that Mm -hmm. for it to just like upload into the world or something like that and so i've heard that's part of the problem with the destiny one creating new areas and why they couldn't create new things Uh in dlc new areas sounds like a bunch of crybabies or and so one one article that i did read potentially to help destiny going forward would be (laughs) for activision to step in and say we don't like where this is going we think you need help. We're going to bring in people to help you. We're going to bring in the assassins. Which evade me. Ori- well, that's not Activision, but oh <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I was going to say, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. So, like, it, I, my original thought was sledgehammer, sledgehammer, and Infinity Ward. <laughs> when oh, man. Infinity, that would be too funny. No, not sledgehammer itself, but I mean, Activision has a history of yeah, doing this teams. when. Infinity Ward was yeah, kind of crumbling in like that mess of the guys wanting to break off and creating Respawn. Um, the two main guys, whatever their names, and they got sued Zappa, by EA and, and all that uh, stuff. But Infinity Ward was like in a major crisis mode, and and Activision stepped in and said, "Here's a whole second team and Sledgehammer. They're going to assist you." And like we're gonna finish Modern Warfare two. I mean, arguably, and so they those two ended up tag teaming together and got Modern Warfare two out on time with uh, whatever Call of Duty, like whatever, however you value Call of Duty. It was a good game. Modern, plenty of people like Modern Warfare two. Uh-huh. I mean, arguably, that wouldn't really be that bad of a thing, mm-hmm. considering. I mean, just because the people in question are okay, I mean, it'd probably be a better idea to get. Mm-hmm. Um, Treyarch, since there's, they seem to be a bit more in these. Well, they don't category. need to take some. I mean, I don't think they're going to touch Infinity Ward or Sledgehammer or Treyarch. They're on their own thing. Doing oh no, their own I know, thing. I know, I know. But, but they I, have plenty of other studios that I mean, they bought out PopCap and destroyed that. Take all those developers and have, send them up they're there. They're not doing Warfare anything. Too. Yeah, they're making Garden they're Warfare making too. Garden Warfare too. <clears throat> all so, I know was just like obviously they could put people on PvP while Bungie actually does the world. Take all the thing. people from uh, what was the the eyeball the studio with the eyeball Insomniac. Yeah, no, all the pe- not er, Insomniac. Um, that made all the original Tony Hawk NeverSoft. NeverSoft. Never oh my lord! How take all the NeverSoft employees, send them up to uh, uh, NeverSoft was dissolved like two years ago. Well, they still have employees probably oh. on the payroll. Send <laughs> them up soft. to Bungie. I mean, it seems like there's so many different like. I think Bungie just needs help. And I think sometimes I wonder if the Destiny community is just not the most butthurt community in games right now. Um. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Okay, my argument against that is while the Destiny community is one of a small, loyal fan base. I mean, arguably like, the vocal part the of the people community that is are, definitely, are definitely Destiny, like, like the guys people the complain about Destiny not because they hate it. The people that are complaining about Destiny are complaining because they love it. And they want it to be as good as like it can be. Of like... I've stuck with Destiny because I see the potential that it has and how great uh-huh. of a game, like... And how great of a game Blizzard will... Not Blizzard, Bungie will never realize. 
uh, at this point in time, I can't argue with that. Like, so what? They've made the best mechanical shooter that I've ever played. They did. Like, playing the game is just awesome. But, like, the game itself around it is, like, just the shittiest wrapping paper that you could ever imagine wrapping around the best present. It's like the clear wrapping paper my wife bought for Christmas. Oh. So, what they need to do <laughs> is not... Is to revitalize their community. Yeah. Which will appease high-level players and low-level players alike. Is introduce a new mechanic that forces everybody to replay the entire game. Is what's going to happen. Well, you know, just create like the World of Warcraft thing. Time now we have just introduce a new class. Then the people that love to play are like, "Oh, what? I gotta play the game with the panda now." And then they replay the whole game. Boom! There you go. 120 hours. You're welcome. Okay, first of all, well, that's what I a lot of people. For the panda expansion. A <laughs> lot of people expect that that's what Destiny, and that's what they did for Destiny Two. They would win everybody back if they released. A new class with three new ability trees uh-huh. and like a new player plus whatever, like everybody would immediately come back and like play through everything with that character. Like that would happen a hundred percent. The problem is is that they can't even put their thoughts together for five seconds to tell us anything, like to say I mean for for all Maybe we know just not sure yet. For leaks is that Destiny Two has got postponed to potentially out of this year, and we don't even know what Destiny Two is going to be. Mm-hmm. Which, when you don't even know what Destiny Two is going to be, and when it was originally supposed to launch in September, and now that's been delayed to an undisclosed, like an unknown date, they don't even know. They just said it's not going to happen in September. That's for sure. Maybe it's not as bad as it sounds. Maybe it's not like. We have no idea what we're doing. Maybe it's more like, all right, well, we don't know what it is, but it could be one of three things, but we can't say that because if you tell the community anything, they're going to latch on to it and assume that that's what it is. That is very possible, but the, the one assumption that I'm making is that we know for a fact this almost exact same thing happened with original Destiny and that a year out of launch, they... Completely, they just the whole thing erased the whiteboard and said we're starting over, and that's why Destiny Ooh. One was a cluster. Um, so I think the people are just freaking out as they don't want this to be the same cluster that original Destiny had, and then we have to waste a year waiting for the expansion of Destiny Two Point One to come in and fix everything. And so that can be the last thing of this is that the last thing is people like the 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 warning signs have started to flash up on the community that were like excited for destiny 2.0 a lot of people are starting to get like their their ears are up like people like are getting scared and so they just need any kind of reassurance i mean they could just come out and like i mean they don't I don't expect them to give us anything in this week, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens on Thursday about how they react to this, because this will be... 
I don't want to say this is a crew like a make or break moment in Destiny's life cycle, but I think the next couple weeks can determine the fate of where Destiny, Mm. its community... I mean, the game that whatever they're going to come out is going to come out this year. But what community is left by the time it comes out is nearing a tipping point, in my opinion, and I don't want to see it tip the wrong way. I will make one prediction. That... If you quit Destiny, as soon as they announce a new expansion, you'll be right back in. Also, if you want to play an MMO that shows you how to take a game that kind of flopped and make it great, just go play Final Fantasy XIV, which just had a great year in 2015 and looking to be a really great year in 2016, too. I didn't even know it was still happening. Yeah, you should play that instead of World of Warcraft. Oh, I haven't played haven't play that in a long time, no. All right, Taylor, what's your somewhat mystery topic? Well, somewhat related topic in the sense of, like, people kind of playing things and people kind of, like, feeling like they're a little time-constrained almost. <clears throat> Not necessarily to, like, specifically hone in on it, but Polygon recently posted a, an article that was along the lines of, like, the top five games that we're all looking forward to, and, like, just listed each person and the five games that they're kind of thinking, like, in 2016, I can't wait to play X. And I would say... A lot of them had very similar games, and now that's obviously a small slice of humanity, but I'd like to argue that most of the games they listed were AAA. Most of them are games that a lot of people are hyped for, like The Division, Dark Souls 3, Cuphead is one that I hear a lot of people talk about in terms of the indie games and stuff like that, and, you know, there are a lot of titles coming out, like Uncharted 4, Mirror's Edge, the new Mirror's Edge game and stuff like that, that a lot of people are very hyped to play. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like how this past year we had Fallout 4, we had Witcher 3, and all that kind of stuff. So, what we were talking recently about, like, and we, we, talk, we talk about a lot, like, how we don't always have the amount of time we think we do for games, and sometimes we feel like we miss titles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that still, yet, after saying that, and even after reading that article, like, to myself, I was like, oh man, what am I like? What five games am I going to play this year? And that's how I phrased it immediately in my head. And it was like one of those slip moments where I thought, oh man, wait, am I serious? Like, am I, is that really all I'm going to have time for, basically? Because when you, when you line them up, and especially when you put things like, oh, I don't know, Dark Souls 3, that can only take like, what, I don't know, a month to play, let's be honest. And then The Division, if it's going to be something that's close to Destiny again, that means that's going to be a time sink and a half. And then there's, let's see what else is coming out this year that I was actually kind of excited about now. It's slipping my mind. Uncharted 4, that's going to take some time. For Glory. Stuff like that. For Glory or for, for Honor. For Honor. For Honor, whatever it is. Like, there's a lot of games coming out that I can imagine myself sinking a lot of time into. The Last Guardian. No Man's Sky, which I'm kind of excited about. <laughs> you think The Last Guardian's going to out this That's year. cute. But. Kojima's going to work on it. It's like. <laughs> What made me, like, pause to a degree, and I'm almost trying to remember what the heck I was reading, because there was a quote along the lines of, like, we have almost an oversaturation of the industry. And I'm not sure, actually, off the top of my head, if it was the movie industry I was reading about, or if it was the the gaming industry. But, basically, their thought was, we've got this oversaturation of just, like, very solid and good titles, which, you, you I mean, this, this applies to both, both, in both of those industries, really, so. And... 
people come through and they think, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do this, 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 I'm going to do this. And then they line these things up and then, you know, it's, do we have, do we actually hit those marks? Do we actually make it through these titles? Do we actually make it through all these, these adventures basically? And we still got this enormous industry of the AAA games that's pouring money into these games. I mean, in the case of Destiny, five, like supposedly $500 million. In the case of games like Fallout 4, a lot of freaking money. You know what I mean? Like, these games are coming out as such blockbusters, yet we start, we're start. we finally starting to have this question of, like, there's not many titles coming out, Steam, indie game, or actual, like, big blockbuster games lately, that I would say are effectively bad. Like, there's almost not a title that I can get off Steam that a lot of other, like, that's on top sellers, or that's on featured, or something like that, or a brand new release, that I'm probably going to have a bad time with. You know what I mean? Kind of. Basically, what I'm kind of driving towards is, do you think, like, it's kind of a really weird and generic idea, but, like, do you think we're kind of reaching this tipping point of where perhaps the industry is going to change a little bit in the sense that people, you know, like, people put all this time, put all these t- this time into these games, like Destiny, but it's only one title out of the hundreds that are released in a year. And some of those are, are games that have, you know, like Kickstarters that ask for $1 million, $800,000, $5 million. You know, games that come out with huge budgets. Like, sooner or later, people are going to start, as businesses, investing less money in these things because less people play particular games, a particular franchise, this kind of a thing. Like, as that happens, do you think that's going to be, like, is that going to be bad? Is that going to be something that's actually going to be noticeable or affecting people? Or is that just, or is our, our, like, is the time constraint of people and the fact that they don't always want to play every single game that comes out or play the blockbuster and maybe play the small games instead or something like that, is that necessarily going to affect the overall quality of titles? Or are we just going to have another one of those moments where, like, the small games are taking over, like Soma and Her Story and all those things that everyone's been talking about for months, even though these AAA games are still bought and still played and all that kind of stuff? Um, That's a very broad topic. I think that people will continue to talk about the indie titles, a la Her Story, a la... Whatever. Indie movies like, I don't know, Inherent Vice and stuff like that. Yeah. That are really great. Um, But what's going to continue to rake in all the money is the Transformers slash Call of Duties of the world. Mm -hmm. I think... I mean, what we see in the gaming industry and what we see in the movie industry right now is the the big budget companies stick with the cookie cutter games that they know sell well. Like mm-hmm. EA has made continues to make Madden every year because they make buku bucks off of Madden every year, and Activision makes Call of Duty every year because they know make buku bucks off. Call of Duty and Ubisoft makes Assassin's Creed every year because they make insane amounts of money. Well, they uh, they were, they skipped a year, skipping a year, right? Potentially, Actually, wait, are they? That's unannounced. It's rumored they're skipping this year. They're skipping. They they have to skip. They're skipping after the past two games that were bad and meh. Hey, they're, they're probably everything I've heard about Syndicate is that it was good. Really? I, I heard, heard that nothing. Syndicate was the I've most fill in the blank Assassin's Creed of all time. <laughs> I've heard that is the most Malaysia Assassin's Creed. Malaise, is that the word of the week? That is the word of the week. Also, mayo. 
the most malaise word. The most mayo game. Well, most mayo game. So I think with. I mean the two ways we see mayo on. cool. companies make. There's the two main ways to make games this year are spend a lot of money on a game and make a bunch of money on a game because you know it's going to sell well because you make a good game or you see these really small teams that make these really small games and we see this in the movies is like people like will pop a movie will pop up each year that was like made on a shoestring budget of a million dollars with unknown actors and just comes up out of nowhere and it doesn't have to make as much as Madden does to make like a same amount of of return on investment and stuff like that Mm -hmm. if you only put in $20,000 from two men working on a game for a year and then her story comes out and like becomes the game of 2015 and like it doesn't have to sell like Madden to make the same amount the same amount return on investment as EA puts into Madden every year um so would you would so you... I think I think we're at a I don't think we're at a point where the gaming industry is going to change. I think the two established models of monetization of either you have to have you're on one scale or there's there's no middle ground. That's that's the awkward moment right now. Is either you're a very small scale developer mm-hmm. who makes a game as cheaply as you can and hope that it comes out like rises above the all of the indie games that come out or you're one of the major developers and you make a major game that you know is going to sell well i mean there's a reason we don't see many games like ubisoft coming out with for honor of like we haven't seen this game like a game like this in a long time like of i mean i don't even know how to describe for honor it so, looks it looks kind of cool I think it looks but like, so dope. I think it's a real. I mean, it's a really risky move. I mean, we don't know how much Ubisoft is putting into it, uh-huh. but they have no. I mean, and that's what all these big companies are scared of: is can we afford to put fifty million dollars in the game when we have we don't know what it's going to do when mm-hmm. they know they have reasonable expectations for a Far Cry. They have reasonable expectations what they can expect for Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. They know. This is how much we can make it for, and this is how much is what we'll get out of it. You know, I kind of agree. I think, I think really at the end of the day, a lot of the a lot of the things that sometimes come out of my mouth, and honestly, are, are are kind of perspective problems. Because when you think about it, I mean, for every for every franchise I can name that seems like it's been stumbling lately in terms of like quality or in terms of in terms of I suppose fan reception. I don't know what the right word for that is, but like. How people are seeing the game, how they're playing it, and what they actually think of how the game turned out, regardless of how good or how bad, badly developed it was. Mm-hmm. Like for every franchise of those, I could name. I could. We can also name ones that are that were critically either critically acclaimed or very much so popular. Like for instance, Just Cause Three seems to be like crazy for whatever reason. I, I've yet to, I can't hear the bad stuff because all the noise that's coming up from people about about how great the game is. For instance, it's. And then on top of that, you also have the fact that like those small for for every great indie game that we've been talking about in terms of like the success story about the the money that they got out of it or the money that they put into it, there's another thirty or forty games that either 
were hyped that weren't good or you know games that didn't quite land as they should so maybe maybe at the end of the day it's just a perspective issue it just seemed to me like these these large franchises that I've played for the longest time and these companies that I've followed for the longest time are seem to be having a bit of a uh, rough patch and I just wonder how they're going to counter it or how they're actually going to get around it because it's one thing to just be like hey our next annual release is annual release not only is better but it's also by a different team but it's also another thing entirely to say, but it's really better this time. It's not just us fixing the crap that we broke last year. It's actually better kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that your franchises have to kind of have to disappear after a while. So No, I agree. It would be... Sooner or later. There, there, be, there, sooner there was later, a certain... There were franchises that were popular Back in, the in the NES days, in the Super Nintendo days, in the PlayStation days. And not a lot of franchises last... This long, like our our franchises, like Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, or not Modern Warfare, it's Medal okay. of Honor. Medal of Honor is pretty much already gone, but like you know, your Call of Duties, your Halo, your Gears, Gears of War, your Uncharted, your Killzone. Like these are franchises that have been around for like over ten years, mm-hmm. and I think I talked about this in one of our like our. Are looking towards 2016. Yeah, was 2015 was all about the perfection of a genre. Yeah, and I think that 2016 and moving forward, at least for a few years, is us seeing games like For Glory or For Honor and Horizon Zero Dawn and new IPs from these big companies to build the franchises that will last the, the another next ten years. 10 years. That's like that's what I'm kind of getting on the sense of like I I'm just agreeing that at some point those are gonna go away, right? Like there's there's only so many Call of Duty games I can play before I start remembering hey this is exactly how the last one played and like sure the last two have been all about you know the, how the exosuit kind of changes your movement and all kind of stuff but that's it's gonna get boring sooner or later you know what uh-huh. I mean like and what are they gonna do next like what's what's gonna be the thing that's gonna reel everyone back in because I haven't even gotten the current one. And, Although I was close recently, but I, but someone deterred that. But uh, I don't, you know, like what's going to happen with the next one, or what's what are all these franchises and these companies going to do if that bread and butter runs out and they don't, or they either haven't developed or they don't have that next franchise. You know what I mean? Well, so like, I think a lot of developers are probably. If I was making Call of Duty for the last ten years in a row, I would be excited to do something else. Oh, for like, sure. Guerrilla Games is, by all appearances, super stoked to be able to make something that's not Killzone. Like they, the first game they made was Killzone, and then Sony was like, "All right, just keep doing that. Just do that for another ten years. Do that for like thirteen fucking years, and now they finally get to do something new." Well, I, yeah, I know. I mean, it's one thing for the developer to be excited, but it's another thing for the for the company to greenlight an idea. Kind of right. Thing. Well, I don't think the companies are necessarily in super bad shape. Like. Uh, who, Microsoft, who publishes Halo, isn't in bad shape. Ubisoft, that publishes Assassin's Creed, isn't in terrible shape. EA, Activision, the companies are, you Getting know, they're, they're doing okay. And I think we're in a really healthy spot where they can, they can get new IPs and find these hits and, and move on to the next big wave of games. And I think that there's... Another great thing is that for really small developers, you know, we talk about, like, the breakout indie hits, but I have the, I get the sense that 
for an indie developer, as long as you're not, you know, making a game above the, as long as you you know what to expect as far as sales, you can make a living. You can keep your studio alive. You know, you make a small uh-huh. game and you don't sell six mil, hundred million units. You sell a couple hundred thousand or something, or you sell a couple, you know, whatever. But like these small development studios will make a small game and then they'll go and they'll make another small game next year. Mm-hmm. And I think this the gaming industry is in a really healthy spot, actually, where, you know, there are companies that, like, big companies are taking chances. Like, we've got Horizon Zero Dawn and For Honor or For Glory or whatever that game is called. <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now because I'm really... I'd start to doubt that it's For Honor. But... You know, I mean, Dark Souls 3 is looking really good. <laughs> is that what this all comes down to? Dark Souls 3 comes out, looks good. So, I mean, the year can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can't be that bad. As long as as long as long From Software is releasing something, you know the the world's in a good position. It's For Honor. It is For Honor? Yeah, it's For Honor. I knew it was For Honor. Is it the other team, though, you, since we talked about this one that this one time? Mm-hmm. is it? We talked about that one time. About what? Where? From Software had like two teams, one that actually did Dark Souls 2 and the one that spun off into Bloodborne. So is this like the other team, like Dark Souls 2 is like, now we're going to do Dark Souls 3, or? Um, that's a great story. Dark Souls is made by, which one, like, it's a different company and that's why it's multi-plat, and then Bloodborne is... No, Dark Souls was published by a different company and that's why it's multi-plat. They're both made by the same developer. Mm-hmm. Um... Right. So, yeah, after Dark Souls 1, uh, Miyazaki split off into making the Bloodborne team. And the other, the main team, or the other team, whatever we're going to call them, yeah. went on to make Dark Souls 2. So, so who did Dark Souls 3? Dark Souls 3, I believe, is... So, according to From Software, it's Miyazaki's back in the lead. He's the director of Dark Souls 3. And from all of the gameplay footage we've seen, it it definitely is a Miyazaki game. It has all of the same trappings. They took out a lot of stuff that was in Dark Souls 2 that kind of made it play smoother than Dark Souls 1. Um, But he finished Bloodborne in 2015. Yep. Like, late 2014. And Dark Souls 3 is coming out just like a month, a year and a few months later, and you can't take a game from zero to completion in a year and a, in a year months. and three months. So it definitely has to be a combination of both teams, because when they split off to make Dark Souls Two and Bloodborne, they didn't just say like, "All right, hire a whole new team and make them make Dark Souls 2. Like they took a large team mm-hmm. and then sp- took a core piece of that made Bloodborne and then hired on some more people to fill in the gaps on yeah, Dark sure. Souls 2. And it's not to say that Dark Souls 2 is necessarily... I think the longer that Dark Souls 2 has been out, the more... People warmed up to it? Yeah, I think people have warmed up to it more. Like, I've definitely warmed up to it a lot more and can respect it more than I did when I first played it. Because it's it's really interesting because it feels so different from Dark Souls 1, um, which, you know, was initially a bad thing because we wanted Dark Souls 1 again. Um, But it's different enough in in ways that aren't necessarily bad that you can 
enjoy it. You can enjoy it and respect it. But in any way, I was just curious. I thought that was something I asked point for two seconds. Anyway, so that was that was my topic, I guess. Yeah, you guys should really play Dark Souls. I've played Dark Souls 1 for 15 minutes. Yeah. The first 15 minutes are the... They're okay. Um, so, Thomas, what's your super secret sauce? So, what is my super secret yum yum sauce? I've actually been playing Dark Cloud 2. Yeah. Um, on the PlayStation 4. It's a PS2 classic. I remember having that game, but I don't remember playing that game. It's really cool. I've been playing it, and I'm reminded of, like, the PlayStation 2, like, you know, the Xbox 360 PS3 days were, like, the glory days of the shooter. Mm -hmm. And I think that the PS2 days were the great glory days of the 3D JRPG. Oh, Crash. Do what? Uh, Ratchet and Clank were back in then, weren't they? Yes. That was a fun game. Man, Jack 2 was good. So, actually, my topic is... I've, I've never played Dark Cloud 2 before. I played the original. Um, but I never got the second one because when I was playing those games, I was like... It was this really great time where the internet shopping wasn't so big <laughs> and every day I had I was like 13 14 years old and I had no money and I would go on ebgames.com and eBay and just like look and see what kind of game I could get for $5 and so it was really great cuz you could just go on ebgames.com and I I would get like 20 bucks for whatever reason, and I could get, like, six games. And Dark Cloud 2 was one of those games that I got. And it was, or Dark Cloud 1 was one of those games that I got. Yeah. And it was really fun. They're super cool. Like, it, it's it's like this dungeon crawler where you, you gather resources to build um, towns and cities, kind of like Fallout 4, except better. Oh. <laughs> um, because this actually has, like, a system that lets you build shit. And so, like, you'll you'll get this this village, and you'll st- start gathering people from around the world that want that you need in this village. Like, you need the gardener so that you can have crops, and you need this guy so you can do this. But the gardener won't live oh, next to this guy, so you need to make sure that there's enough room between those two. But also, there has to be you know whatever. Like, there's these these complicated sets of rules that you have to follow to do. And it's just like makes me think about. How when games do stuff like this, like like when Fallout 4 did the base building and Metal Gear Solid has this, you know, you build up a base kind of mechanics and you think like, man, this is next gen. Like almost all of these things were done, you know, in older systems, but we just like forget about them for some reason. Yep. Like there was a game, I think it's called Actraiser for the Nintendo Entertainment System that did base building and army building like in 1988. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, as robust as the games we have now, just not as pretty. Uh, but my topic is, what is your favorite game, right off the top of your tongue, from the PS2, GameCube, Xbox era? 
Two titles stick out for me. Mostly because I did not really play that many PS2 games, or I don't even remember if I had a PS2. It doesn't have to be PS2. It can be GameCube, PS2, or Xbox. Oh, no, for sure. But I mean, like, okay. out of that era, like, I didn't play that many Xbox games either. It was mostly Halo on the Xbox. But the, the GameCube was actually the console that I played the most of. And the two titles that stick out the most in my mind, and I am I'm, I know one of them, and it was Custom Robo. Custom Robo? Custom Robo. What is that? I will tell you in a moment. Okay. But the other one was, I think, called Lost Kingdom? Mm-hmm. I think. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that game? I don't think so. What was it for? GameCube. Oh, didn't play GameCube. Custom Robo was a game that I think was after... Oh, it's gonna kill me. There was actually... It's like... It wasn't exactly a sequel in the sense that... It actually, like, succeeded a storyline or something like that, but it was kind of from a world. Was it from Robotech? See, that's what I always thought, and I don't think that's correct. Played some Robotech games, and they were not very good. Anyway, basically, the, the game was about something kind of close to that Mega Man game where, like, you're jacking into the network or whatever, in the sense that you have this old robot guy that you go to these places and you have little digital battles... In little arenas. Digimons. But it wasn't exactly like a little. Like you actually manned the, the robot and you would actually fight them in the arena or whatever. Uh-huh. But um, the only reason it, that game really sticks out to me is because it's kind of different than most of the games that I would normally play. In the sense that, especially back then, like it wasn't a shooter, it wasn't exactly an RPG. But it was kind of like this in-between of a JRPG, but it wasn't quite as long as a JRPG. If uh-huh. that makes sense. But... Couple that with it's just these are the two titles that stuck in my mind and I can't choose between one or two of them so these are this is just what it comes between. Lost Kingdom was a game where I don't even remember the storyline necessarily. I just remember you were some princess. There was a there was a kingdom in trouble and you had to save it. But the game mechanics were actually a bit more interesting. Like you had to build a deck of cards, kind of like Hearthstone. So that should get you interested. And then, <laughs> but then the battles that you would fight would actually be like you would draw, you would have four cards, and they would map to A, B, X, and Y, right? And then so you would actually run around physically the battle arena. You would press one of those buttons, and you would either A, throw out a card and summon it. So then there would be like an NPC fighting for you to Is try to Bokhtai? Yeah. No. And Bok- then. Bokhtai? Bokhtai? Bokhtai Lost Kingdom? I don't think so. Maybe. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. And then, or you could have like a weapon where you press a button and you would attack in a line, or you do like a summon kind of a thing. Like there was, there was very diverse in the types of cards that you could play and the types of things that they did. But that game lasted A, forever, which is why I don't remember any of it, but B, it was a lot of fun to play, and that's probably very much so mechanically different than a lot of the games I've played before and after. So those, those stick out in my mind because I've sunk a lot of hours into those games and they were See, that sounds a lot like um, Phantom Dust. Neither of my games are that original, um, but they're two pretty much classics. Uh, From that era would be uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee. Oh, yeah. And Star Wars Battlefront 2 are probably my two favorite games that I oh, played. Oh, too. That's true. I totally forgot about that. Of, uh, oh, man. I'd go over to my friend's house. We had a PlayStation 2, and we'd just play Battlefront 2 till like, wee hours of the morning. Jedi Knight Academy. 
as the wee hours of the morning. And, of course, uh, gotta get your four-player classic Smash Melee on, uh... I mean, those are two obvious titles, but they're probably my two favorite besides, like, the sports ball games that I was playing back then. Uh Uh-huh. I'm super glad you didn't pick a sports ball game, though. I don't see why not. Super Smash Bros. is a <laughs> Tiger Woods Golf 2003. PGA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. even remember. But... Ryan, you strike me as a flight simulator kind of guy. I've never played a flight simulator game. <laughs> see, the only thing I miss about... And I think you kind of were getting at this a little bit, Taylor. Yeah. When you were talking about right now, you've got giant AAA games or small indie games. Is in the in that era, PS2, GameCube, Xbox, you, you, you could have games like Lost Kingdom. Like you could have middle of the road games that were maybe priced thirty dollars or forty dollars instead what, of sixty dollars, but not ten dollars. But like you get like the production value that's halfway to a triple-A game, and you get some totally new concept that you've never played before. Like, people took chances back then, and it wasn't just in the sense of, like, you know, no one's done this before, because obviously, as you were just saying, like, it's almost... You can, you can find a game that's pretty close to what this was. Kind of a thing, more than likely. But it's... It interests me that, like, you, it's almost hard to find a game that feels like it's something else. Like, every game you pick up is a good experience. And it's not necessarily like I'm saying, why can't we just have something that's meh? You know what I mean? It's like... Uh-huh. Well, so that's kind of like... I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but that's sometimes the kind of game that I want to play. That's like, I don't want to play a game that's perfect. I want to play a game that's different. That has, like, a card-based battle system where you throw cards out and the whatever. Or when you... Like, just, you know, just something weird. Weird like your dog? Yeah, weird like my dog. George, what are you doing? She's rolling around on the floor playing with a scrap of blanket. Um, I don't know. It's, It's an interesting thought, and it's true. But I think we're moving towards things like that. I mean, we're we're getting a new Mirror's Edge. We've got Res. I don't know. But I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at in the sense of like, I feel like a lot of the games that people are kind of excited to play aren't exactly games that have necessarily been the staples of the past few years, right? The franchises that everyone's been like, here it comes, here's November, here's the next duty, you know, like, here's the, you know, like, they're games that were not necessarily, I would say, critically acclaimed when they first came out, or maybe they were, but they didn't exactly have the biggest fan reaction to and it's not only that, but it's you. You've still got those staples that are coming out, like Uncharted Four is, is one of the games I was listening before, and it's 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 one of those things. You know, it's one of those franchises. It's a thing, yeah. It's definitely but like, a thing. I don't know. It's just that's. I mean, that's what I mean in terms of like. It seems like they're trying to take more of a chance without being too chancy, and I wonder if it's not exactly going to go the way they planned, or uh-huh. that they're hoping it's going to go. Like people, are, you know, people are still going to be excited to play these games, and it's still going to have a bit of a following, but I don't think some of those games are going to sell nearly as well as the ones that they would normally do. And so is that going to call into question other things or whatever? I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. My favorite games... Yeah, what are yours? ...were... Obviously, Disgaea. Yeah. The Hour of, of Darkness. And Time Splitters. I don't think I've ever actually played Time Splitters. Time Splitters was one of my favorites because... 
you it was so customizable like you could do whatever you want so you could make your own maps or what i would do is like make my own campaigns so i'd like make a series of maps and i'd like a notebook and i'd write out like ideas mission no like mission briefings and stuff and get people to play and be like oh look at this you you're escaping from this like complex of pyrotechnics like one of my favorite maps was I made this map of like suicidal pyro people who like and you could set all kinds of modifiers and stuff like people with flamethrowers and flames would shoot from the walls and you had to like it was almost like a platformer like you had to time it you had to like run and jump and shoot at the right time and crazy it was pretty cool but it's like Dark Souls for back in the day Kind of, um, but it, I mean, it's just really cool because you could like customize things. Like, yeah, for sure. We would make huge maps, and it had really cool guns. Like, there was one gun called the Injector, where you shot people, and if you hit them enough times with it, well, every time you hit them, they would get like a little bigger, like a balloon. Yeah, and if you hit them enough times, they would explode. Yeah. Um, and you could do like, I mean, I guess probably a lot of shooters have this stuff, or at least had it, like. One shot kills and stuff like we would play golden gun, shotgun sniper. That's that's a real man's game type. Yeah, well, we would just and you could make custom maps. So we would go like just make the widest map possible, fill it with sixty four players or as many players as you could put in it, and have them all stuck on one side where they can't get more than like thirty feet close to each other, and with shotguns only, and that one shot kill people. <laughs> So you just, like, shoot at a barrel and hope you hit something. Alright. That's all. That's all I've got. I really don't have that much. I think Ryan had the <laughs> the most relevant topic to what's actually going on. I think Ryan had a good topic this week, too. Well. <laughs> I'm glad my pain... At least makes good topics. <laughs> well, yeah, You now that you hate Destiny, we can all play The Division together. We can. If it doesn't suck. Next it doesn't matter exciting development. Sucks. You know, look at you, Destiny. <laughs> the the best play part about playing games, right, games is you play it with friends. Friends. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think I've said on the podcast, but I don't know. Maybe not. I've never played a... A game that you're supposed to play with friends. Thomas is a lone wolf. Well, it's hard to... I can never find people to play the games I like to play. Right here, bro. You guys... I asked you guys to play Dark Souls. Dark Souls isn't a game you can't play with friends. I devoured... Yes, you can. I devoured Bloodborne. Taylor and I played Bloodborne co-op for like two hours and beat half the game. That was pretty intense. We just went from like boss to boss to boss. Aren't you... Proud. And just shredded. Kids. I was very proud of him. Okay. Adios. Your dog was just eating your couch. Don't eat that couch. She had lifted up this underneath little like flap thing and